Well, get your Bibles out and go to Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. And if you have no earthly idea where Zechariah is, go to Matthew and turn left and go two blocks. <laughs> I told the first service, I said, you know, someday you're going to go to heaven and you're going to talk to Zechariah. He's going to say, you're reading my book. And you go, I didn't even know where it was. God is good. God is good. I'm going to start off by praying. I just, I just want to, I just want to pray over this. Father, this is a, such an awesome truth that you're beginning to share with me, and and I and I and I just ask you that as I share it, that we hear not just the letter of the law, but what you're saying by your Spirit. Father, these people in this room, the righteousness of God, they're blessed coming in, blessed going out. Abraham's blessings belong to them. And Father God, we're sons and daughters of God. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And there's so much more as a church and as a Christian for us to walk in the light of. And Father, we want to know how to work with you and how to walk with you so that we can see a greater manifestation of your presence in our midst. And we give you glory for that in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Zechariah chapter 4. Um, the Lord began to deal with me. Uh, about the anointing of God. And I'm going to start off by, by just following the Holy Spirit and making some disclaimers. I went to a Bible school when I went to Ramah. Ramah was noted, Kenneth E. Hagen was noted for being an anointed man of God. And the anointing was preached a lot in the 70s. And I kind of think that some of it got goofy, uh, as everything anybody preaches gets goofy. But I think in the last 10 years, we've heard almost nothing about the anointing. We don't really hear much about it anymore. There's a generation that doesn't understand the anointing of God. And so I wanna, I'm going to take my time today and go over it. But it is valid. There is an anointing. The anointing is not the new birth. You cannot interchange the two of them. Jesus was anointed at, what, 30 years of age by John the Baptist, and he was already the Son of God. So there is, there is a truth, and, and I'm, I'm going to share that today. Um, and let me make another disclaimer before I get started. Uh, and, and listen to my heart. When I went to Ramah, there was a season in my life when I only listened to Kenneth E. Hagin. Now, now, there's a reason for that. God will separate you, and he just wants you to get rooted in truth. And then, then I started listening to Copeland Tooth, and I became a Copenhagen. And I remembered, and no discredit to my spiritual father, but I remembered the day the Lord began to deal with me that there are people on this planet that know God that aren't in my camp. Now, that's, for me to hear that was like blasphemy. If you're not Rama, you don't know nothing. It's kind of a thought. It's kind of a, it's the way I thought. I'm not talking about the way you thought. 
But, of course, we do that because it's safe. And, and Brother Hagin would often teach us, you've got to learn to eat the hay and spit the sticks. So, you know, it's amazing that God uses Billy Graham at all. He didn't go to Ramah. Right? So the Lord began to, to introduce me to other men and women of God. And, and there's a few things that they have said, and I've had to, uh, you know, I just throw it up on the shelf and go, eh, I don't understand that. But I've learned to listen outside of my whatever it is that God's using, whoever he's using. So James Robinson, I started reading a book by his. You know, how, it's amazing how God used that Baptist to get so many people born again. Of course, he finally got filled with the Holy Ghost, became one of us. I'm being facetious. I'm trying to make a point, of, a goofy point, but it's a point well taken. There are people out there that know God. And they don't necessarily go to our church. And it's a, so anyway, outside of that, so uh, I'm going to tell you a story in just a minute. But let me read this scripture to you, and, and I'll tell you why I said all of that. Zechariah 4, 6, and he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. There are things that don't happen because the Holy Spirit's not in it. Now, we're going to study the life of Jesus we're going to study the life of, we're going to study a little bit about Paul. But before I get started, let me back up a minute and, and share where, why I said what I said to you. I was listening to a tape the other day by David Wilkerson. God forbid Pastor Darrell listened to David Wilkerson. Now, there was a season, there was a season in America that people like David Wilkerson were not listened to because of what we called condemnation preaching or holiness preaching. And he studied underneath the Puritans and um, Ravenhill. And the other day, the Lord led me to listen to something to David. And I sat in my house and I just wept. This man was 75, was preaching to preachers, and he's talking about his life. He told the story about how... As a pastor in Texas, and he's in a Assemblies of God church. He's pastor in a Pentecostal church. And he said, I got so frustrated with my church, with people. Now, let me, let me stop right now and make a disclaimer to you. As a born-again Christian, every one of y'all sit in this room, you're born again. You fill with the Holy Ghost. You're righteous and you love Jesus. But you live in a flesh body. And your flesh is annoying. It causes you to walk, talk, and act, and do things that are not Christian. And so pastoring you is very hard without God. I'm, just, I'm trying to share something with y'all. I want y'all to get I'm not criticizing you. I'm telling you there's a supernatural anointing on a man to pastor because agape love is supernatural. It's not natural. The love of God is shed abroad in our heart 
by God the Holy Ghost. Now, you take a man and pull him away from God, he won't be a good pastor. You can just forget that. And so because of that, David Wilkerson was bearing his soul, and he was talking about, he went in his office, and I, and I, and I understood what he was saying. Be, because all of y'all are at different places spiritually. And even though you might be a baby Christian and just starting, you, you know, you, everybody's at a different place in God and what you're doing with your life. And so David walks into his office and he kind of tells God, I- I'm tired of this. We come to church on Sunday. We're supposed to be full of power. Where's the power? And he just really poured his heart out to God. And he said, he just, the spirit of God told him, if you're going to have power, there's a price that you're going to pay. Now, now again, and we'll get into this in a minute because that just hair lips faith people all to pieces. Jesus did it all. Well, no, he didn't either. There's a God side and a man side to every battle you're in. So David began to pray and did a lot of praying. And he said the Spirit of God came on him, started coming on him real strong. Now, I'm going to make a qualifier. There's a difference in being born of the Spirit and filled with the Holy Ghost and being anointed. Now, I'll show you that. You know, some of y'all may have to sit here and squirm a little bit. There is a difference. I, I remembered one day Andrew Womack, right before, I don't know how old his, he was, and, and his mama told him, he says, Andy, you know this is not you. He says, Mama, I know. No man can do what he's done. Kenneth Hagin, I was at I was at Rama this year, and I watched what Pastor Hagin has done. There are more ministers on the earth preaching the word because of Rama than any other Bible school in the history of the world. There's over three hundred and something. They there's hundreds of thousands of people preaching the gospel. No man did that. No, you, you, you can't get that smart. Nobody gets that smart. And so God uses people and we look at them and go, he uses you. (laughs) Yeah, he uses me too. Don't feel bad. So I began to realize that there is an anointing and we'll talk about David in a minute. We'll talk about the anointing of God. And I need you to understand that there is an anointing separate And even though the anointing comes on you to be born again, there's an anointing that's very separate that comes on people because of your walk with God, not because you're saved. So David Wilkerson, I'm listening to this tape and and I'm, and I'm kind of bearing my soul to y'all right now. I want to share something very, very, very powerful with you. I'm not just here telling a story, just tell you a story. The Spirit of God dealt with him to go to New York City. He was, he was reading his newspaper, and he began to read about the kids in the gangs. And he said, it broke my heart. That was, see, that's God. That's not natural. 
And he says, I had, to, I had to go to New York. I had to go. And he was there when they brought the, ca- the kids in, and they were all chained up. And, and uh, he said he went in the courtroom, and, and uh, he, he, something happened in the courtroom that day that caused the, the trial to go a different direction. But Nikki began ministering to the kids. Now listen to what he said. He said, I would walk up to them, and I would say... You need to get right with God. And he said the anointing would hit them and they would fall down and receive Jesus. That's not natural. That's not natural, guys. For you, to, he just went in the courtroom and he says, and if you ever read the book, Run, Run Baby Run by Nikki Cruz and the story of, of David Wilkerson and Teen Challenge. What David did, and, and, he, and he was, when the CD I was listening to, the, the YouTube video I was listening to, he was talking at 75 years of age to ministers. And he was talking about his personal walk with God and his struggles. You can't pretend you don't have struggles, even as a Christian. If, if I told you that every time I've ever preached a sermon, I'd been all week with God, I'd be lying. I should. I would say, I can tell you this, I'm not backslidden. I've never run off with anybody's wife. I, after some point, women just don't look at you anymore. <laughs> you just thank God for Lisa. And I, I, never mind all that. We'll get into that in a minute. But, oh, thank you, Jesus. I want you to look at Isaiah 10, 27. So, so David Wilkerson, turn over there while I'm talking. David Wilkerson began to talk about his personal walk with God. And he said the anointing on him got so strong that people invited him all over the world to preach. And he said, everywhere I went, young people came to God. Now, that's powerful. That's powerful. And then he told the story about how he, he says, something happened to me. And I got to, to where I was only reading my Bible for a sermon. And I was no longer walking close to God. Now, aren't you glad that these men have the guts to not hide their humanity? And he said, Leonard Ravenhill walked up to him, handed him a book, and said, you need to read this. And David walked in and threw it down on the table and was mad and said, who has time to read a 1,200-page book? And he was upset. Now, he's being used by God. And he says, and I, went, and he says I got in my car, and I'm driving down the road, and the Lord said, go back and get the book and read it. And he did. He said, I got to page 50, and I was back on my face with God. Getting my fellowship right with God. I think, it's, I think it's important for you and I to understand that you and I could be born again. And there are times we're closer to God than other times. And there's times that we're just showing up and singing kumbaya and going home. And that's true for everybody in the room. There is a secret to the, to the power of God. 
I told you to go to uh, Isaiah 10, 27. And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off your shoulder and his yoke from off your neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. It's not anything you're doing. So we're not going to turn there, but I want you to think with me about David in the Bible. We tell the story of David so often. David was a boy that just loved God. And one of the reasons he played his harp is because that's the way the Jews learned Scripture. They would sing them. You remember the days we would sing, this is the day. This is, well, you're singing Scriptures because that's a way to memorize Scriptures and learn the Word of God. So David's out playing his harp was not just because he liked playing harp. He's singing the Bible and memorizing it, and he had a heart after God. And God saw that. So, so much so that when it came time for Samuel to anoint the next king. Now, remember, there's nothing secret about oil. But it's symbolic. So Samuel took the oil, and he went and found a boy named David, and he anointed him. And we know that. And then we read the rest of the story because David gets up and leaves. But something happened to him. The anointing came on him. The anointing is given to you to do what outside of it you couldn't possibly do without God. So David becomes the king. And we see the story of David becoming the king. And we read the story of David and Goliath. But now one thing we've never talked about was really David didn't kill Goliath. God did. But God was in David. The anointing turned him not in, he wasn't, physically he's a boy. But spiritually, he's a warrior. Because the anointing is a warrior. And the anointing on David is where he got the the guts, the brass, the knowledge, the ability to do the things he started doing. He began to reign as a king. And believe this or not, he didn't even go to Bible school. Neither did Solomon. That'll mess you up. Talking about our degrees, Solomon never even went to school. Oh, boy. So we see that David's being persecuted by Saul. And, and a bunch of guys, uh, 400 of them, went off and joined themselves to David. And all of these were losers. They're all losers. They're broke, discontented, natural people. They, they had no abilities. But when they joined the David, we found out that the anointing is transferable. So that what was on David came on his men. Next thing you know, one of them's walking down the road and sees a lion in a pit. You do not jump in pits with lions without the anointing. And he did. And he killed it. That's not natural. We read stories, they're they're literally stuff 
that they're trying to make movies about called the Avengers, but literally from the Bible standpoint, there have been men walk the earth that walk in great power. You know, you read the story of Samson, they always got a guy that's buff. He's not buff. He didn't, he's never met, he'd never been to gold gyms a day in his life. He's a 155-pound Jewish kid who picks up the, doll, the jawbone of a donkey and just kills everybody in sight. That's not natural. Ripped a lion, grabbed the top and bottom jaw, tore him like toilet paper. It's not natural. That's the anointing. That's not just for the Old Testament, guys. That's for now. So it's the anointing that broke the yoke on you the day you got born again. You can't get saved. That's not natural for you to go from a son of Satan to a son of God unless the anointing broke the yoke on you, destroyed it. Turns you into a child of God. It's the anointing. Wherever you get where the anointing is. And, we, and we, you know, God forbid, we've gotten to the place where we brag on men, but, but it isn't the men that are doing it. They're just people with faults, and they're natural like everyone else. And we get all upset when they didn't do it this right. You get too close to a man of God, it won't be long. You'll be going, God uses him. I can't believe it. I'm amazed that two people uses me and you. And everybody else. Because it's the anointing doing the job. If God waited for perfect people, who would he use? He wouldn't have anybody. So the anointing comes on people. And they start doing things and saying things. And it's just not normal. All right. Go to Luke chapter 4. We're just getting cranked up here. Say, our best days are ahead. ahead. They are. What God is doing right now in the church is amazing. And I have good news. He's going to use you. He's he's been using normal people for years. He's going to use you. Everybody else he ever used was normal. Luke. Chapter 1, let me, chapter 4, verse 1. And I'm gonna, as I read this, I want, I want you to, I want you to, I'm going to paint a picture here for you. And, I, and I'm going to give you the Bible so you can see it in the Bible. Is Jesus anointed? What about when it happened? Now, now we see in Acts 10, 38. Now, listen to this scripture. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went around doing good and healing all oppressed of the devil. So how many people were healed when Jesus was 12? None. Well, he's the son of God, isn't he? What about when he was 20? See, see, I think we need to come back and study this. There's almost a mindset that Jesus operated in the earth apart from God the Holy Ghost, and he did not. I think it's time we reintroduced a person to the church. I'd like to introduce you all to the Holy Spirit. You know God. You know Jesus. You know this guy. 
It's time for him to start being allowed to come back to church again. (laughs) You might think I'm crazy. I'm not. George Pearson was down in Africa and the Holy Spirit said, I want my church back. Why would the head of the church say, I want my church back? Because there's a lot of churches and God ain't got a thing to do with it. Woo. Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain that build it. You can, get a, you can get a program and build it, but God ain't in it. Okay. Jesus, we're talking about Jesus now. I'm gonna, I want you to see this in your Bible. Jesus filled with the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted 40 days by the devil. Now, who led him in the wilderness? Holy Ghost. Now, why would he do that? Because he's got a confrontation with hell he needs to make. Now, listen, listen to what I'm going to say to you, and don't, don't just, if, if it doesn't set well with your theology, just be cool for a while. Just shelf it. Adam went through a testing, and he failed. Jesus is fixing to get tested. What is God testing? His consecration to God. He's the son of God. I mean, he's already the son of God. So what's he sending him out in the wilderness for? There's two things happening out here. Number one, prayer. Why would God need Jesus to pray? God knows what he wants to do, and Jesus knows what he wants to do. That's why people don't show up to prayer meetings anymore, because God's got everything in control, right? Wrong. It's quiet in this Baptist church. It's okay. I'm going to read. I'm going to show you a scripture. There's a difference in being filled with the Holy Ghost and being full power. They're not the same thing, guys. As a matter of fact, let me, let me just jump way ahead of myself. Go down to chapter 4, verse 14. Let's look it on the screen. Look it on the screen. I want to talk to these students here for a minute. Let me talk to these river students for a minute. You don't know ministry because you went to Bible school. You have Bible knowledge. You learn ministry in ministry. And you're not married yet. You read all the books you want to on marriage. You know where you're going to learn about marriage? Being married. And when you want to learn about kids, have kids, and then you'll learn about kids. Am I doing good? <laughs> You'd be surprised how many Raymond students come here. I went to school and I went, yeah, big deal. Whoopie doopy. Why is that? Because you don't know God because you went to school. You know God because you walk with God. And you can't get to know him any other way. God had to become my God, not Dad Hagen's. That was amazing. Now, let me say, when I first came to, to this church, one of the primary things God was doing was growing me up. I was not ready for y'all. 
and you weren't ready for me. And I really was not qualified for the job. So what did God do? He was stuck me in it. <laughs> and I spent a lot of time on my face. Oh, help me, Jesus. And I needed to. Because the only way you can learn anything is doing it. And you'll do it wrong a lot. Are you all out there? Did you go home? All right, now let's read this. And Jesus returned in what? The power of the Spirit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Wait a minute. Something, something just happened out there in that prayer meeting in the desert where Jesus is meeting with the devil himself and the devil is coming at him and hitting him from every angle in the world and trying to get him off of his God-given assignment. Jesus never did anything apart from the Holy Ghost. I don't hair lip most Christians. No, he didn't either. He never did anything in his life apart. He said, I only say what I hear my father say. I'm going to show you in a minute. He only went where he told him to go too. And he only did what God told him to do too. He didn't do anything outside of the Holy Spirit leading him and God. Do you think that might be important for us to get to know this guy called the Holy Ghost? I mean, he is kind of like the head of the church. Come on, y'all. I'm doing a real good job. There's something here that we've missed for years. Jesus went in full of the Holy Ghost. And, I'm, and we all brag, I'm born again. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I love Jesus. I want you to, I want you to just look at Romans 12, 12, 1 for just a moment. And I want to show you something. <laughs> y'all hold on to your seats because I'm fixing to get real deep with you. Shirley, are you ready? ready. All right. Let now go to first two. Don't even go to first one yet. Now this is people's, and I and I love this scripture here. I love this scripture. Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by renewing your mind on who you are in Christ and what belongs to you. What Jesus did for you at the cross and made me a new creation. The very righteousness of God and gave me all things that pertain to life. I am not conformed to the world, but I am changed outwardly by the renewing of my mind. And all I've got to do is open up my Bible and find out who I am in Christ. And everything will work right, right? Wrong. Go back to one. Holy Ghost said you can't get to two until you go through one. You can't get to two. Don't even read two until you read one. And I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, do something with that self-centered flesh of yours. Lay it on the altar. Nail it down like jello. Get it under the will of God. Get it under the submission of Almighty God. Don't let that flesh of yours rule you anymore. You separate unto God and then go to verse 2. You got a whole church full of people. Trying to figure out how to make the Bible work without walking with God. 
No consecration. No separation. No, no life of holiness. No laying on the altar and seeking God until the Holy Ghost comes on you and shows you what he wants you to do. And you better not get out there and do something he didn't tell you to do because you're on your own, baby. Well, I went down to the hospital knowing what all they died. Well, who told you to go? I feel like, y'all remember my favorite Martian? Paul's shot in the head. Everybody over 50s. He had his own antennas, and they'd go, mm. and that's how you knew he was a Martian. All Holy Ghost people have antennas. And whenever, whenever I'm doing something, I'm going, mm. what do you want me to do, God? What do you want me to do about that, God? I it's not enough to know, I know I'm, I'm going to, this is sound blasphemous to you. It's not enough to know the Bible. I know that sounds. It's quiet. Tell me, say, I'm getting this. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. There, there's a life of victory. There's a life in God. There's a group of people on the earth that ought, that ought to be the most powerful people in the world. I heard a man say one time, says, if, if you have a vision and you can do it, it's not God. You know, I tell you the story all the time, and I say this from my heart. When God said, take this church, it scared me because I can't do that. Give me something I can do. Well, he's not going to give you something you can do. He's going to give you something. There's no way. You're going to do a lot. You're in the will of God. You pray a lot. You better help me, Jesus. You better help me out right here. I don't know what to do. Help me, God. I don't know what to do. Help me, God. And he anoints you when you stand up. I, and I'm saying this, I've preached sermons before, and everybody went, that was good. And I went, yeah, I never heard it either. <laughs> I didn't even know it myself. I went off one time and I was preaching in Atlanta. I wanted to travel so bad. I went up there without the Lord. He stayed here. The people looked at me and that they said, who, who brought you in here? I mean, there was no anointing on me at all. I got up and talked. For 45 minutes, I talked. They slept. It was terrible. And I, I, I flew an airplane. I was in a 172, 182. And I got in the plane. I said, where were you? He says, I was asking the same place. Where were you? <laughs> and, you know, you learn this stuff the hard way. You, you've got to learn some things. Anyway, are y'all doing good? Let, let's go. I want to read this. I want to read, read something to you. Act, let's go, to, go back to Luke 4. Verse 16. He came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. 
as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And they handed him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and he opened the book and found the place. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. It's, it's the Spirit of God on you guys. Because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and set at liberty those that are oppressed. And he proclaimed the acceptable year of the Lord. He's telling everybody, it's the Holy Spirit on me. The word Christ means anointed, Jesus the anointed. If, someone, if you say to someone, I'm a Christian, you say, I'm anointed. He closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and all the eyes on the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That'll herald at Bear Creek. And all bore witness of him and marveled at the gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, isn't this Joseph's son? And that he will say, surely you'll say this proverb, physician, heal yourself. And whatever we've done in Capernaum, do it in your own country. Now, he's fixing to prophesy that the Jews are going to reject the gospel. All right, now li listen carefully. Carefully, very carefully. We read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John at the multitudes that came to hear Jesus. That's amazing. When I was in Israel, to stand in Galilee, Galilee is an area, it's not a town, it's, it's like central Florida. And to hear and to read in the Bible that they came from Judea and Decapolis and and, uh, and Syria, they walked 10 days. So I'm going to translate that for you. They came from Miami and Atlanta and South Carolina and Birmingham, Alabama. These people walked to hear him preach. That's supernatural. You don't do that. So much the government was freaking out over what's happening. Now I'm going to say something and I want you all to hear me. How many people got healed? A lot. Did they repent? No. No, they didn't. He came to preach repentance. The miracles. Sure, they're doing miracles. They came for a miracle, not for Jesus. The hardest people in the world to preach to are Americans. Because we have our jobs, we got our 401ks, and we really don't need God at all. But we'll take a healing if we can get one. Nod and look spiritual, guys. Come on, I'm being honest with you. We, we are a nation that no longer seeks God because we, we when 9-11 happened, we said we will rebuild and nobody went to God. That's what happened at the Tower of Babel. We will build. It's quiet in here. Y'all getting what I'm trying to say? There's, you know, there's a point that you can get in life where you go, I got this, God. I'm going to tell you a secret. No, no, you don't either. You might think you got it, but you don't got this. I'm just going to sit here a minute and let you think about this. Now listen to what he says in his own church. Now listen to what he says and it will make sense to you. Verse 24, surely I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah. And the heavens were shut up three years and six months. And there was a great famine throughout all the land. 
But none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who's a widow. Now, she's a Gentile. She's not Jewish. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet. None of them was cleansed but Naaman the Syrian. Now, he just got through telling them, I am the Messiah, and you're going to reject me. And then he says, and I'm going to Capernaum. Now, what is Capernaum? I didn't know this till I went to Israel. At the top of the lake, Sea of Galilee, it's, it's, it's a lake. We've had this discussion why they call this a sea. It's a, it's a lake. Anyway, Lake Gennesaret is an area called Capernaum, and everything on the right side is Gentile, and everything on the left is Jewish. Well, this is one town where there's Jew and Gentile. Jesus started his ministry in an area that was both Gentile and Jew. And he came for the world, not just the Jewish nation. And that's going to get him in trouble. Okay. You see, when, you, when, you, when you're there, you, you get this, this starts making sense to you. And those in the synagogue heard these things. They were filled with wrath and they took him to the top of the hill to kill him. Didn't sell any CDs that day. And he left there and went and based his ministry out of Capernaum where they would hear him. Not every, see, you're trying to talk to people who don't want Jesus. Pray for them, but you're just wasting your time. Find somebody ready. Find, find people who want to hear the word of God and waste your time with those who don't. Okay. So they're going to take him and kill him. And so he goes down to Capernaum. Now, I want you to go to John 11 with me. Let's talk about Jesus and the Holy Spirit now. Am I doing a good job of painting this for you? All right. Because I, I believe that before Jesus returns, there's going to be a group of people so full of God that everywhere they go, people are going to get saved, healed, and delivered. There's a, there is a generation being raised up right now of men and women of God who are going to change this world. I, I, I'd like to believe this church is a part of that. At least I believe that's why he's showing me this. this. John 11, 1. And there was a man, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it, was, and it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother's Lazarus was sick. And his sister sent him and said, Lord, behold, he who you love is sick. And Jesus heard it. He said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through all. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when she heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place that he was. Why didn't he just go? Because he can't. Now that, that almost sounds blasphemous. He can't? No, he can't. He can't show up two days ahead of the Holy Ghost. Are y'all getting this? Uh, this, this is going to, for many of you, this is going to fix a lot of stuff. You guys that say you're called to ministry, let me tell you something. 
Your ministry will never be stronger than your fellowship with God the Holy Ghost. You will never do anything apart. Uh, um, Benny Hinn wrote a book, Good Morning Holy Spirit. Now, I've sat in Benny Hinn's meetings, and his doctrine, well, you know. But you can't deny the anointing on him. Where is he getting it? He's, he's, he's locking on himself away with God. Uh, all right, y'all are looking. Okay, all right. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get y'all to see some, something with me. So anyway, he, he shows up two days later, and he raises Lazarus from the dead. Good thing. Go to Acts 13, 2. This is deeper than you think it is, and I'm trying to make it simple. Acts 13, 1. Now, at the church there was an Antioch, certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, as they ministered to the Lord. They're in a prayer meeting, guys. And fasted. That's, boy, that's, that's another subject. The Holy Spirit said, separate me today, Barnabas and Saul, for the work I called them to. They fasted and prayed. They laid hands on them and sent them away. Let me tell you something. Was that important? You better believe it's important. You know, you young people, you're not going to start off with your own ministry. You're going to be faithful with someone else's even if you don't like the guy. Because you, God is not putting you out there to mess up people's lives. If you don't learn to submit and walk with God, you're not going anywhere. So he's going to put you someplace, and it, and it might get hard. God ain't, he, don't, he don't work with lazy people. God don't like lazy people. And you're over there, what about me? What about me? What about me? That's the reason he don't use you. It ain't all about you. Because he's going to turn you into a servant. You're not there. I don't come here for me. There's nothing in this place I like. Nothing. I don't like a popka. I don't like Florida. I don't like anything. I don't like any of it. I like trees and fall. And acorns and deer. I like it. I like Georgia by God. I just don't know where y'all understand that right there or not. Cornbread, pinto beans and onions. And sitting by the fire in the wintertime and not pretending like it's winter. Hallelujah. But I came here because God sent me here. And I stayed because he sent me here. I didn't, I didn't come here. I, I did for a while. I did for a while. That's how I learned. I quit every Monday. I quit. Why? I was a baby. Babies quit. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. Jesus, they are mean to me. 
He said, well, you just need to hang around a little while longer. They're going to get meaner before they... Why would he send you someplace where they don't need help? That's dumb. You say, this church is messed up. Oh, that's why he sent you here. And until you get it straightened out, you're staying. You get, come on, y'all. God is not. What about me? What about me? What about me? Well, you're one of the reasons that I'm here. (laughs) I know this is bothering you because the church in America today, it's crazy. Go to that church of your choice. Don't you dare. You'll die in the church of your choice. (laughs) No, I would just, uh, I'll be done in 15 minutes and y'all can escape. All right, go to Acts. 16.6. 16.6. Are you there yet? I'm waiting on you. Now, y'all remember the scripture? Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Whose signs follow them that believe in my name, they'll cast out the devil, raise the dead, heal sick. Verse 6. When they had gone through Phygia in the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. They're going to Asia and the Holy Ghost said, no, you're not. Don't go over. Don't go there. Oh, when Jesus said go, Holy Ghost said no, are these guys having a fight? No, Jesus gave us a blanket statement. But the Holy Ghost is your personal coach. Jesus is the head of the whole church, but he gave you a personal coach to lead you and guide you and show you what he wants you to do. And he might not want you over there. He might want you over there. Yes, amen. Amen. But we got to get to know this guy a whole lot better than we know this guy. All right, let's, let, me, let me finish reading it. And they tried to go to Bethania, and the Holy Ghost said, you ain't going over there either. <laughs> so passing through Mysia, they came to Troas, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pled with him and said, come to Macedonia. And after they had seen a vision, they immediately sought to go and and concluded the Lord told them to preach the gospel there. So did he? Yes. Come on, y'all. I'm doing a real good job. Isn't that where they got thrown in jail? Are you serious? God sent them someplace hard Oh, my. (laughs) You football players, have you ever been hit on a football field? Coach, they hit me. (laughs) Why do you think you go to church? Because out there is a full contact sport. There's a guy out there who wants to kill you. And I'm supposed to keep him from doing it if I can get you to listen. (laughs) Woo! I quit. I quit. 
Football players don't win games. Teams do. You're a part of a team or they're going to kill you. Oh, someone get a revelation of this. Don't you ever go against the bulldogs alone. I'm a gator. You better bring the team with you. You want to jump on the devil? You better be in a good church with people by Monday backing you up in prayer, with people loving on you and hugging on you and taking care of you. Because there is a guy out there, he says, your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, he is looking, who in this church can I separate and kill him? And hurt my feelings. <laughs> It's amazing what you'll say under the anointing. Lisa said, don't blame God for that, baby. Don't blame God for that. <laughs> yeah, they got in all kind of trouble. That doesn't mean you're out of the will of God. How do you know you're in the will of God? Well, you stay on your face until you find out where you're supposed to be. I'm going to tell you another story. I'm just going to, when I graduated from Ramah, all of my friends said, I'm going home. I, I, I didn't go. I went, I went and found an apartment and I prayed. I ain't leaving. I ain't going anywhere. Got it. And he told me, he told me that, that Tom Copeland lived next door to me because I'm going to work for Tom. And Tom wrote me a letter and I moved to Orlando. And I was in the will of God. I didn't go to, jo I didn't go to Athens. I, went to, I came to Orlando. And I was content working with Tom. I was fine. And then things happened, situation happened, and, and, and I moved on and, and um, married Lisa. And there was a while I was out of ministry. And you asked my wife, what I'm telling you, so help me God's truth. I'd come home from work every day. Joshua had his bedroom back there, and my mother had, you know, painted um, Noah's Ark stuff all over the wall, little elephants and heffalumps. And <laughs> the younger people know exactly what I'm talking about. Winnie the Pooh, anyway. And, I, and I'd go in there and, and close, my, close that door and get on my face. God, where do you want me? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me? And, and let me tell you something. I didn't get an answer in a week. I didn't get one in two. I didn't get one in three. I stayed down there and I prayed a while. I prayed a while. Finally, Air Mobile Ministries hired me. I thought, this is it. Flying airplanes, shooting lobster. This is God. And I remember the day. I think it's because I took Melanie. We were down on, on, in Haiti in Laganov. And the Lord said, when you get home, they're going to ask you to take that church. And I said, no, no, no. Well, see, when you're in there praying, you don't realize that you're, you're miserable and you're making God all kind of promises. And then when you say no, he goes, well, let's come back to this prayer meeting you had. Next. Oh, I'll do this. I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. Oh, oh God. He, he reads the list you prayed to do. You're back to you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm going to agree with y'all people said you're not a pastor and I said I agree man I don't look like one walk like one talk like I don't act like one at all 
whatever they act like. I don't know what to act like. Princess Bride has a pastor on him, you know, Mowage. Never mind. I just, I just can't go there. I just can't go. Go to Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm going to try to close. All right. Now, we're convinced now we're not doing anything without him, right? All right. We got one more scripture. We got two more scriptures we got to read. And I'm not done with this sermon yet. I, I, I just have to unhook and come back next week or, well, the week after. Next week, I'm just going to give this to the youth. I've already decided. There's no way in the world I'm going to contain them when they get back. You just, there's no way. And I just told Lisa, said, just turn them loose and just let them, let them tear the whole building up. You just, they're going to be so full of God. Might as well just let them bounce off of walls in here and preach. And I can't wait. I can't wait. I, I, I can kind of see in the spirit what's going to happen. Yeah, but I love it when you get a bunch of fireball teenagers off alone with Jesus. It just, I love it. Mom and dad going, yeah, we do too. All right, let's look at this right here. 314. No, no, Ephesians 430. Please forgive me. I'm ahead of myself. Let's, let's read 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm not reading all of it. We could start with 25. Stop lying. Quit being angry. Quit yielding to the devil. Quit stealing. I just started with 29. What is it necessary for edification that it may grace, impart grace to here? And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed to the day of redemption. You know that God is in you? And did you know he don't like everything you do? I'll come over here. I didn't know. Now let me give you a little word. This is why you walk through dry places. Because he wants to get your attention. Now, he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But he didn't say he'd like it. His name is Holy Ghost. Imagine a nun moving into a whorehouse. And her saying, I ain't leaving something's going to change and it's not going to be the nun. Do you think that if a nun moved in a whorehouse, things would change? If God moved into you, do you think that he's going to change some stuff? Yes. And that's what he's doing in your life right now. That's why not everything is going your way. Don't grieve him. Because without him, you're not going anywhere. Is holiness a part of your... What is Jesus doing? God is turning you into Jesus. He has great faith. 
I'm looking at you going, he has great faith. (laughs) And when he's done, every one of us in this room are going to walk like him, talk like him, act like him, and do the same thing. But some of us are in different places in our walk with God. So the Holy Spirit's living inside of you, and he's giving you, he's saying, don't take this guy off. Learn to cooperate with the Holy Ghost. All right. So he gave us a prayer. And I'm going to close. Oh, I don't know what to do. It's four minutes till. Are y'all learning anything? Do y'all understand what happened to Samson? It wasn't Delilah. It was his consecration to God. A Nazarene vow is a vow of consecration. It wasn't his hair. But he turned his consecration over to a woman, which is a type of the world. And he fell in love with the world. It's quiet in here, but y'all are going, oh, what's wrong with the American church? It's in love with the world. All right. Say, I want to be used by God. We all do. Ephesians 3.14, Paul's going to pray a prayer over Christians. Look at what he says. For this reason, I'm going to bow my knee to the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. I'm going to ask you, Father, and grant that the people of Word of Life Church, according to the riches of your glory, to be strengthened with mighty power in their spirit, in their inner man. I pray that the people today in this church, that Christ would dwell in their heart through faith. That every one of them in the sound of my voice would be rooted and grounded in the agape, unselfish love of God. That they would comprehend with the saints the width, length, depth, and height and know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. So that each and every one of them would be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above anything they could ask or think according to the power Working inside of them. To him be glory in the church by Christ generations forever. Amen. You see what I just prayed? Yes. You have any idea how much I love you? You have any idea the price I paid for you? Have any idea what it's like to watch my children that I love dearly, I redeemed by my blood? I love you dearly. I love you more than you'll ever comprehend the sight of heaven. But I do want to walk with you. I do want to walk with you. And for some of you, I'm asking you to turn around and walk with me. Yeah, I'm a holy God. I'm a holy God. 
that you're the righteousness of God and I've made you in my own image. But now I want that holiness to work its way from the inside out because there's things you're hindering by the way you live, the way you walk, and the way you talk, and by the way you treat one another. And you hinder me from being able to move in your life. I would like to answer all of your prayers and walk with you closer than you would ever imagine. But I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. I have so many things to show you. I have so many things I want to do with you. And I need you to take my hand and trust me and let me walk with you. Oh, Papa God. Oh, Papa God. Father God, as a Christian, all of us have had times where we've just kind of gone through the motions. I know you're calling us in this church back to a walk with you and closer walk with you. I know that. I know there's things that you want to see done here, and I know that. I pray, Father, that we walk out here today and we hear what you're saying to us. I have done my best. I've done everything that you laid on my heart. And I commit these people to your hands. I know that you're the author and you're the finisher of their faith. And I know that you will complete the work that you have begun in them and us. And now I commit these people to your hands. I commit myself into your hands. And Father God, I pray that we would learn in these last days to walk with you. To go where you say go. Do what you say do. It's not a matter of us doing our own thing and getting you to bless it. It's time for us to hear from heaven. I give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name. You know, the two of you are going to, you are going to minister together. There's still a lot of training left for you. And he'll send you, send you out. It won't be easy. You stay prayed up and he'll take you to prosperity. He'll bless you beyond your wildest imagination. Just walk with him. It gets tough, just... Walk with God. Go pray. Just let him do his job. Amen. I have an urgency in my heart about church in America. I pray that you understood the spirit of what I'm preaching. There's a few people in here you just played in church. Come home. Get back right with God. Stop playing. It'll cost you. God will not woo you forever. 
You can't tell him no but so many times. Children of Israel told him no. And he finally left them in the desert. Just, just leave them alone. Don't do that. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.